Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I think about that on a day-to-day basis, but I don't know how he couldn't be, especially for a guy like myself. He he plays both sides of the puck so well. He's strong on face-offs. He, he kills penalties. He's excellent on the power play, so... I mean, what, what's not to like? Thank you. Derek Ryan answering a question from Jim Matheson about Patrice Bergeron, uh, the captain of the Boston Bruins. They're in town tonight to play the Edmonton Oilers. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer down to Rogers Place. We're tonight, um, Cam Moon, myself, Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, will have on the Oilers Radio Network uh, tonight's broadcast. And then on the uh, TV side, it'll be uh, Jack with Louis DeBrus, who's going to join us in 18 seconds' time. Uh, Gene Principe, uh, I believe Jason Strudwick is on the uh, panel, and I'll be making an appearance there as well. Sportsnet color analyst Louis DeBrusque for GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972. GCLDiesel.com. Hello, Louis. How are you doing? I'm doing well today, Bob. How are you doing? Good. People were confused the other day, and I got to tell you, I was a little confused. <laughs> we were getting tweets yeah. during the like people were texting me saying, "What's is Louie in the building?" We hear uh, dogs barking in the background, and I'm like, "Well, I, you know, I didn't see him at the morning. Uh, it was one of the rare. I think it was the first morning skate you weren't at all year." It's like, "Well, maybe he's sick. I didn't, I didn't take. I'm so self-absorbed. I didn't take the time to reach out to you. Uh, was that Tampa barking? I wasn't sure what was happening, Louie." <laughs> That was Oakley. Yeah, we met him before the game. He was a service dog in the arena. And, yeah, he was right underneath where our broadcast location was. And you could pick him up on the effects mic for sure. So he wanted to get involved. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of a a little bit of a laugh when that happened. But, uh, yeah, that was Oakley. I called him Moxie on the air, so I had to apologize to him for that. Well, uh, you know, I... I it's elephants that have long memories, not dogs. You're, you're like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We ran that clip from Derek Ryan talking about Patrice Bergeron. Uh, obviously, yep. your son Jake is a member of the Boston Bruins. We're not going to talk. About, we are going to talk about Jake, but not about anything that's going on in Boston. We'll get to that a little bit later. But just uh, as a guy, you know, as a former NHL player, as an analyst that gets to watch Patrice Bergeron, the guy pretty much is the prototypical perfect uh, centerman, is he not? Yeah, he really is. You know, he just, uh, he does everything right. You know, that's the thing. When you watch him play, you, you just see the, the attention to detail that he plays the game with. And, you know, the other thing, too, that you you sometimes forget is he's he's a harder player than you give him credit for, too. Like, he's not afraid to give you the stick. He's not afraid to be physical. You know, I, you know I've got to watch him a lot over the years, and you really appreciate just, you know, what he brings to the table on a night-to-night basis. And, listen, he's not getting any younger, and, you know, the league's getting faster, but he still finds a way just to, to grind and battle and make sure that he's just prevalent in every game. You know, very rarely do you look at a game that Boston plays and say, you know, Bergeron had a tough night because he just he really doesn't have that many tough nights. You know, sure, they're going to get scored against. You're going to beat him some nights. But, you know, for me, it's just the, 
how prepared he is to come each and every night and play and his attention to a 200-foot game. The other thing, too, is, and I, we talked about it this morning, we were watching the morning skate, the Oilers, you know, the thing that always has stood out for me, too, and it reminds me of Joe Sackick back in the day. He never overextends himself unless it's absolutely necessary. In a defensive situation or an offensive situation, he keeps his shorts, his shifts really tight. There's no question about it. He's the first one off on that line every shift. He goes out there. He gives you that 30, 35 seconds. He gets back on the bench. And I really believe that's part of why he's had the longevity that he's had. He keeps himself ready to go for that next shift and, and right back out there if necessary. Obviously, late in games, if they're down by a goal or they're trying to protect a goal, there's no problem for him to overextend and, and be out there for a little bit longer. But he's really mentally dialed in that way to just not overextend himself. And I just think it gives himself that much more of an opportunity late in games to have that reserve and energy. Louis DeRoss joining us from NHL Hockey and Rogers for GCL Diesel. Bob Stoffer, Brennan Escott with you. So Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak, arguably the best line in the NHL. Brad Marchand is third in the NHL in scoring since the start of the 2016-17 season. I think that surprises some people out there. There's no surprise as to who one and two are. They both play for the Edmonton Oilers. It's Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Uh, Pasternak had a very traumatic uh, off uh, off season, which we can all have a tremendous amount of appreciation for, and our hearts go out to him. He's had kind of a tough start here, shooting percentage wise, but they're still a hell of a line, aren't they? They are, and you know it's you know have they fought it a little bit this year? Maybe, yeah. You could you could argue that they just haven't been as in sync as they typically would be, but. Again, I think that's the underlying um, success of their line is their work ethic. They're they're excellent at getting pucks back. Once they do have it back, they're attacking all the time. It's tic-tac-toe. They have a sixth sense of where each other are because they played together for years now. And all three of them can shoot it. That's the one thing about the line, too. Like, we talk about Pasternak's release all the time because it's a wicked one-timer. And, you know, he's starting to shoot the puck more, too. I think he's starting to get to a point now where you're going to see the puck start to go in for him on a more regular basis. But, you know, for Bergeron, he's got a great release, too. That's maybe one of the most, you know, unknown thing about his game. Well, not really. I mean, you look at the numbers that he's put up, but he can bury it from distance. He has a very accurate hard shot. And Marchand is one of those guys that, you know, just... You know, he does it in so many different ways. He can dangle you in a phone booth. He can shoot it from distance. He'll drive one three in front of the net. Like, he's he's all over the ice. You know, listen, he's kind of a, a riverboat gambler sometimes, but the positives so outweigh the negatives that, you know, he attempts to make plays that there's only a few guys in the league that can make. Um, I, I had a call from Kingston today, Louie. Uh, you got Taylor Hall on a four-year deal at $6 bucks per year. Uh, Jake's on the left side. Taylor's on the left side. And they signed Felino as well. But is it fair to say that they've missed David Krejci as a second-line center? Yeah, no question. I mean, especially offensively, just five-on-five production and having that bona fide, you know, offensive-minded centerman in the in the two-hole. I mean, you could you could argue that, you know, David Krejci probably, if he would have played with Marshawn and Pasternak as much as Bergeron played with him, he would have put up at least equal, if not more, points than Bergeron did. He's offensively, I think, a more gifted player. Um, I thought he was the best passer on the ice when when he played for Boston. There's no question, like especially on the power play, this guy could thread it through sticks, bodies, skates, and he just had a sixth sense of finding people in the back door. But, uh, yeah, they miss him. Listen, Charlie Cole stepped up into that position, and he's logging a lot of minutes. He's a different type of player. He's a bigger body, does it a little bit differently than David Krejci did it, who was a little more cerebral of a player. And... 
you know, that's just the nature of the beast when you lose a player of that caliber. And I think that, you know, there's certainly an adjustment period there. There's an adjustment period of figuring out, you know, what, what you have right now. Charlie Cole lifted up into a position where I think they ultimately expected him to be in that spot, but maybe not as quickly as he has been with the absence of Krejci this year and deciding to go back and, and play in his home country. Um, yeah, they, they certainly do miss that and probably a reason why they're, you know, in the bottom 12, 13, I think, and 5-on-5 five five or even strength production goals for Yeah, they've struggled a bit offensively. Louis, they're doing the WHL Bantam draft right now. They're in round two as we speak. Um, Traditionally, it's done in May. The 2022 draft will be done in May. This this year's draft is all over the place. And I bring this up because your son, Jake, if I recall correctly, was he not an eighth-round draft choice in the WHL Bantam draft? It was a seventh round, 137th, I believe, yeah. All right, so seventh-round pick. And he ended up becoming a first-round pick in the National Hockey League, scoring 62 goals over a three-year span. So, in other words, if there's a message out there for any parents or uh, maybe even some kids listening to the show, don't worry if you don't go in the first couple of rounds of the WHL banner draft. You know what I'm saying, Louie? <laughs> Yeah, you know, there's a it's, listen. We we're, it's always the same, and you know, I talk to parents all the time that have young kids that are playing and coming up the ladder, and you know, it's a stressful time because it, it, the attention is always there, and they hear the noise, and they see the scouts, and they talk to people, and but you're right, you know, and it's just another step, and I know it's hard to kind of it is important, but it's not everything, and I think that you know, I I always have had a you know, for me, a soft spot for those guys. You, we see them every single night, teams that come in to play the Oilers and guys they've had over the years, undrafted players that just continue to, to battle on, find their way, sign a contract and make it. They do it the long, hard way. I've always had an appreciation for that because, you know, it can really deter a player when they don't necessarily get drafted in a spot they thought they were supposed to. But in reality, even the NHL draft, I look at it that way too. It doesn't really matter where you're picked. It's where you end up and how you get there and um, yes I agree with you Bob don't really put too much into it these are young players and especially the Western Hockey League that has the youngest draft age Um, you know it's even more so in in the Western Hockey League that there's lots of time to make up background kids haven't fully grown they haven't fully matured they haven't even really maybe figured out what type of player they're going to be so there's still lots of time to make up that ground and if you want to continue playing which is the most important thing continue to play um, there's still a lot of hockey ahead of you. All right, Louis DeBras joining us for GCL Diesel. Bob Stauffer with you on Oilers now. It is currently 12:43 in Edmonton. Louis, let's switch focus. The Edmonton Oilers a three-game slide. Uh, what are the major reasons why you think this is happening? Yeah, you know, I think that well, the number one, the starts. The last three games they've been scored on with two minutes or less or quicker in a game, all three games. So I think that. You know, that's certainly the start. It started in Seattle, I believe it was 49 seconds in, and then it followed up with L.A. and then followed up with Minnesota again. And that's just a trend that's starting to happen. And you can look, I thought the start was good against Minnesota. I thought it was a better start they've had in a while. He started the third line, went out there, started to to grind and get things going. And, you know, for me, the penalty, obviously, it was, you could call it a questionable call. They called one later in the game on Minnesota, very similar. So at least they stayed consistent, which is, I think, anybody that's watching the game that's all they want is consistent calls if you're going to call a penalty like that early then it better be a call you make throughout the night and they did so i credit them for that but 
That's number one. I think just coming out of the gates, they've had a little bit of uh, bad luck in that regard. Maybe some goals that should be stopped early on that haven't been stopped that just set the tone. And there's no question when you're chasing the game, it's a different hockey game. A team that has the lead, especially a two-goal lead like Minnesota had, they can sit back on that lead and they can just defend. And as we know, you can make it really difficult to gain any traction if all your purpose is is to defend. You're keeping things to the outside. Pucks are chipped out. Pucks are chipped in. You simplify your game because you're not trying to score necessarily. You're just trying to maintain. And and for Edmonton, they've had to push up against that a lot this year. Also, for me, the power play. Like, there's just no question about it. There was a lot of work this morning in, uh, in practice on it. It's the deadliest power play in the National Hockey League, no question about it, but they've hit a little bit of a dry spell here. And, you know, to a man, they've said, Leon Dreisaitl, you know, a few game, couple games ago said, listen, we have to get back to outworking the penalty kill. I agree with that. I think that you've heard a shot mentality mentioned a few times. I agree with that as well. And it's just a matter of, I like what Zach Hyman said today, don't lose the confidence. Don't lose, you know, the confidence in what you do because it's been successful. You have to understand that every team that comes in to face Edmonton looks over there and says, okay, Okay, number one, we have to be disciplined. Number two, when we get on the penalty kill, we better be on our A game because we'll we'll be embarrassed. And they have embarrassed some teams this year with the way they've snapped that puck around. Well, teams have come in desperate penalty kill. The power play has to be even more desperate and make sure they elevate above that. All right. Uh, are we looking at the potential in time of Evan Bouchard being elevated? Uh, Five-minute conversations <laughs> at the end of practice with Tyson Berry. And uh, you know what? Bouchard, he can absolutely rip it. You know that. Uh, his puck placement on his passes, I mean, he puts yep. it right in a guy's wheelhouse. You know, like Tyson has signed a three-year deal here at four and a half, but we're watching the emergence of, of uh, the big man Bouchard on the back end, and I know there's a lot of, of excitement from our fans. There's, you know, there's a lot of listeners to this show right now, and they can text us on our on the Ashley Five Floors text line. We have a lot of listeners that think Bouchard already should be on the first unit power play. You know what I'm saying, Louis? Yeah. I think he could easily, you know, especially if it keeps going the way it's going, then there's no question he's probably going to get a look there. But I think they also want to give Tyson Berry an opportunity to kind of correct it too from the back end. And here's the thing with, with Berry for me, I just, I really, I think he kind of, passes off a little too much. I think he's one of those players that when he's feeling it and he's moving, he's making those moves, finding the lanes, getting that shot through, the more dangerous he becomes from the blue line, the more it opens up the trio in the middle. There's no question. You know, Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, McDavid, those three across the way, they can interchange, they can move. But when you have a defender that's kind of dictating and what happens and just kind of takes control a little bit more, I, I mean, it just opens up the door for passes off afterwards. So I think you're going to see him take that puck to the net a little bit more. He has a great wrister that's accurate to get it through, but also the one-timer on a right-handed shot coming from either McDavid or Dreisaitl that's playing that right half wall. You have to – he's got to tee it up. He's got to have that shot mentality and they'll let the guys in the front, the double layer of Nugent Hopkins and either Pole Yarby or Hyman in front – do their job to clean up the garbage tips, all that kind of stuff. You can work off of that chaos, and as they all say, once it turns pawn hockey, they're the best pawn hockey players in the league. So you have to create that chaos, though. There has to be a threat back there that if you're going to protect on the guys medium-wise, that that distance shot has to be there on a regular basis to just make them honest, to be to be up front. They have to also understand that the guy back there can, can be dangerous. Tyson Berry needs to get a little bit more dangerous. And listen, they worked on it this morning, and it looked like he was taking it there a little bit more. I expect him to get a few early tonight. He's going to be looking to shoot it. All right. Now we're going to have some fun. 
uh, last two nights, the New York Rangers, Jacob Truba. Uh, I mean, yeah. he, got all, he got all of Jujar Kara and uh, third concussion for Jujar here over less than a calendar year. And, I mean, he was out before he hit the ice. I'm hoping that Jujar takes some time away from the game and does a little bit of reevaluation because that one scared me. Riley Stillman went and fought Truba, and Truba did pretty good. And then last night, Truba flattened Nathan McKinnon, and it was Gabriel Landeskog, and Truba caught him with a pretty good one. Sorry, go ahead, Bob. I was going to say, should it be an automatic when you hit a guy like that that you, sh- you should have to fight? Well, I was just going to say there's going to be some. Uh, I can I can hear them. You know, I can hear the people. Why are you fighting after a clean hit? And you know, we I'll both know why. Thing. We both I'll know say why. The same, I'll say the same thing. When you see one of your teammates get blown up the way McKinnon got blown up last night, and Jajar Kara got blown up the game before that two nights ago, you don't like seeing it. Sorry, but it's your teammate. It's a guy you go to battle with each and every night, and guys get pissed off when that happens. And listen, I, I'm gonna not. I'm gonna tell you right now. I didn't see this side of Jacob Truba, but I like it a lot. I like it a lot because if you're gonna be a guy, and he's a big human being, he's a solid defender, and his roles changed a little bit there with the emergence of Adam Fox. He's no question their number one offensive defenseman. But Jacob Truba has become just a big, solid defender. Obviously, still has an offensive upside but he's kind of doing everything that to me is like you know that that's that's him in his in his best form right there and if he's willing to step up and lay the boom on nathan mckinnon one of the best players in the game jujar karen yes i agree i heard that jujar is doing well and he's recovering and he seems to be back and everything's going to be fine there which is a good sign but i think they have to definitely evaluate that and make sure that he is 100 percent. but if jacob Truba is going to keep up stepping up and bashing guys like that if he's going to drop the gloves and back it up I love it. I do. I look at it and I go, you know what? That, there's not a lot of guys in the league that can do that. And if you're willing to back it up and drop the gloves, he caught Landeskog with a big right hand in that fight. And so what that's going to happen, you know what it is. You think the Internet's fast. That's going to go through the league like wildfire. It's just going to be people will know now, yeah, he's going to step up and hit. But if you drop the gloves with him, He's six foot three. He's not a little guy. He's a big dude, over two hundred pounds, and he's not afraid to chuck the Dukes. It just makes him that much harder to play against, and I think that's exactly what the Rangers want from him. Uh, it's interesting because the Avs had Curtis McDermott dressed, and McDermott tried to separate Truba from the herd in the third period when Colorado <laughs> was routing the Rangers. I have a feeling Mr. McDermott and Ryan Reeves are going. The two teams play again next week. I, yeah. I think that's going to be a highly entertaining game. Louis, I got to well, Let's face it, though. This is kind of part of what the Rangers wanted to do. We saw what happened yes. last year with yes. Panarin, Wilson, Washington went in there, ran their show, and they went out and got Rees. They went out and got McDermott. They got bigger. They said, listen, we're not going to get pushed around. And they played a harder game this year. No question about it. I'm sorry. I like that. I like that type of hockey. If you've got the skill to back it up as well, but you can play a tenacious, hard, nasty game too, I'll tell you what. Tampa Bay Lightning are kind of like that too. Louie, I gotta, I gotta tell you this. All right, like uh, Curtis Gabriel, I know we talked about him when he went on waivers to the Leafs. He's just been traded to Chicago. Figure it out. I mean, Jonathan Taze was really upset when Kara got hurt. He was jabbing a stick uh, at the back of the legs of uh, uh, of Jacob Trouba. Then Stillman took the fight. Um, you know, 
I look at Edmonton's situation, Louie, and they're only playing their fourth line left wing, and maybe they'll play Shore more because he's going to kill penalties, but between Perlini and Benson, they were only playing those guys six or seven minutes a game, and my feeling was if you're only going to play a guy six or seven minutes a game as a left wing, you know, for the purposes of the regular season, just to, you know, to have a little bit of a deterrent, in the regular season, why not have a guy like that? You know what I'm saying? Then why not in the playoffs? The playoffs get even harder. Like I, I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm never going to say why not. I'm going to say of course. I mean, if you've got a guy that's going to be physical, is going to protect, I can tell you this, you brought up Jonathan Taves. Just ask the offensive players on any team. Would they like to have a guy like that 100%. in their lineup? I think it would be unequivocally yes. Like they just, they always do. They always want to have somebody that's got their back. That's yeah, it. Well, I want to have somebody that says, listen, yeah. And I get it. You know, I didn't realize the importance of the role when I did it as much, to be honest with you. I didn't really, truly understand the importance of the role until I was done playing that role. And that's why I talked to a lot of guys in, over the years that have played in Edmonton, Steve McIntyre being one of them, you know, guys like that that come in. I'm like, you don't ever undervalue how important you are to this team because you're really, really important. And the guys in the room will tell you that. When they know the big guy's in there to make sure that nothing bad happens to them, they all grow an inch or two in the game. And that just yeah. makes you play a little more aggressive. It makes you play a little freer, and it makes you play harder. Now, I know the game's changed a lot, so there's no question you have to be able to play the game. You have to be able to, you know, let's face it, skate, hit, cycle, take a regular shift. But there are some guys out there, Gabriel being one of them, I don't see why a guy like that doesn't always have a place to play because – I just think it's a needed asset still in the game. Well, and, you know, you look at Edmonton, and they got two guys that can fight, and one of them plays 26 minutes a game, and that's Darnell Nurse, and the other one's Zach Cassian. And and, and I, it's up to the player to fight on their terms. I can totally appreciate and understand that. But I wouldn't mind having a fourth. Like, you know, Ross Johnson had COVID earlier this year. He's played three games with the Islanders. Now, he's on a long-term deal at a million bucks, but he doesn't play all the time. And, you know, and, I would say... I would say even more so too, Bob. You know, you and I have talked. You got the two best players in the game right now. Yes. So I mean, yes. and they're they're getting a lot of extra attention. They are. Um, it just, you know what? It just just that little bit of a deterrent, I think, can go a long way. And you can pick and choose the lineups and the games in which you want to deploy that. But yeah, you know what? I, I, this is how it all started back in the day, a long time ago. And I'm, you're starting to see it cycle through again, where. Like I just said, the New York Rangers said, okay, enough's enough. And they went out, and what did they do? They addressed it. They went out and got guys to come in that could play the game well. I mean, listen, Ryan Reeves is not an easy guy to play against. No. You know, he was up there in the tops of the league in hits every year that he played in Vegas. He won it a couple times. I mean, this guy runs around. That's kind of what you want. You want that energy, that production. I know that Tyler Benson has been has had to change his game to try and be that guy in the fourth line. I I've talked about him a lot because I know how difficult that is. Get out of your comfort zone, do something that's totally foreign to you, and go out there and play a different game. This guy's been an offensive player throughout his career, so I credit him for going out and doing that because that's not easy to do. And you know what? It's always a good thing when guys get out of their comfort zone a bit and go out there and play a different style and just try and ratchet it up. But guys that it comes more naturally to, you go out there and get them for that specific reason to go out there and do a job. Louie, great stuff. Appreciate your time. We'll talk. 
Sounds good, bud. Take that, care. That's Sportsnet color analyst Louis DeBrus brought to you by GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972. Uh, GCLDiesel.com. Guests and orders now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night in the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Tell Brendan. Chris and Taylor that Oilers now sent you. When we come back, we'll give you a bit of an injury update for James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. This is Oilers Now. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stopper on 630 Chat. All right, fall 57 at Edmonton. For you Oilers fans out there, we just had a bunch come back from a trip in Seattle. We are going to go to Nashville, Smashville, Nash Vegas, Nashville, Tennessee, Music City, a four-night roadie in April. You can join New West, travel to see the Oilers play the Preds. This package includes non-stop exclusive flights with Flair Airlines, four nights in a deluxe hotel, a great game ticket, a welcome reception with yours truly and special guests, all for just $1,750. Join the Nashville road trip. Call New West Travel, 780-432-7446 or online at newwesttravel.com as we go into the Oilers Now Injury Report for James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. They're the best. James H. Brown. Here's Brendan Escott. Well, Cody CC sounds like a game-time decision ahead of tonight's contest. Still no Duncan Keith yet, nor Mike Smith. And, of course, Slater Cuckoo remains sidelined with his lower body injury. Boston missing uh, Thomas Nosek with illness. He's day-to-day right now. Uh, defenseman Jacob Zborl uh, is on the IL with a lower body problem, too. There you have it. All right, it's 12.58. We're going to head off to a global news weather traffic update. And when we come back, hacks with Hags. Joe Haggerty, longtime Boston Bruins beat writer. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.